and welcome to So You Think You Can Rule Persia, the podcast where we rate and review all the kings of Persia from Diochis to Yazdegerd the Third. I'm Serial, and my pronouns are they them. And I'm Umberto, my pronouns are he him. Hello, and welcome to episode 14, which is to say Artaxerxes the Second. So another right. Artaxerxes after the previous one, and our second second in a row. I assume this is a given name because I haven't heard of a new Artaxerxes yet. I know that we have Arsamis and Cyrus, Cyrus the Younger, right, as our potential heirs to the throne. So mm-hmm. I am assuming we're talking about Arsamis. Yes, you are correct. So he did make it to the throne, even though Parasatis didn't like him that much. I mean, we'll see about that. I see. <laughs> but, but he made well, we're it... we're having an episode on him, yes, so, you know. he made it enough to be king, and then we'll see how the story develops. Oh, great. But yeah, I... so Arsamis mm. essentially chooses the name Artaxerxes because that's also sort of legitimizing him. Because, you know, his father was like very semi-legitimate. Darius came to the throne and... Problematic circumstances. Yeah, it was the second coup in a row, (laughs) I think. Yes, exactly. eh. So calling yourself Artaxerxes is basically saying, yeah, no, I'm from the legitimate side because I get to call myself after my grandfather. So it's sort of trying to... Don't look at the other side of the family tree. It's fine. No, it's fine. Most of it has been proved it's okay. Yeah. So there we are. Let's recap quickly what happened under Darius so we have at least the bases ready. Yeah, so everyone can catch up yes, if they exactly. haven't listened to the previous episode, like, just before this one. <laughs> yes, which is unlikely. But hey, binge if you like. Anyway, so Darius II, as you said, took the throne after a series of different coups and finally managed to consolidate power in the empire. And throughout most of his reign, we didn't really hear much about him personally, but mostly a lot about the wars that are going on in Greece. So the Peloponnesian War ramped up and finished during Darius's reign. Sparta wins. Athens has been crushed. And it's still around, but it's... A shadow of what it was. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, it's a bit of a shame because, yes, our previous episode was less about our king and more about, oh, yeah, we only have sources for this. Like, this is the only part of this history that is remotely related that we had access to. So uh, we went to Sparta and Athens for a brief moment, which is a bit of a shame because, you know, this is not the Greek history podcast. Yeah, that's a bit unfortunate, but eh, sources are what they are. (laughs) And uh, yeah, other interesting things to remember are the children of Darius. So Darius, first of all, is married to Parasatis, the fun murder lady that we've been seeing for a while. The badass woman. Exactly. That everyone's scared of. (laughs) For good reasons. Yes. And yeah, so they have two children, Arsamis, who Parasatis does not like because Arsamis' wife was the sister of somebody who had killed a princess. So bad blood there due to general murders. She had nothing to do with anything, though. She was no, just, she was just you her know, sister. Happened to be, like, she just had a brother who made really bad decisions. And, you know, she got caught up in that. Which, not fair to her, honestly. Yeah, but Parasatis decided that her revenge needs to be complete. So, we'll see what happens there. And then this sort of made Parasatis turn to her second son, Cyrus the Younger. 
who was given control of Anatolia for a while and basically gave Sparta all the money it needed to finish up the war. Great. And, however, was sort of in a questionable position regarding succession when he was called back to the capital and Darius died. And finally, last point that's going to be important is that just before Darius died, there was a big rebellion popping up in Egypt that threatened to take the whole satrapy out of the empire. But he died before he could do anything about it. Yeah, he was preparing an army for it, but we'll see who gets to use this army and where. So, let's start with Arsamis himself, or Artaxerxes II. As mentioned, he was born as Arsamis in either 453 or 445, before Darius was even king, just during the marriage with Parasatis in the right. early days. And yeah, as we saw during last episode, due to his marriage with Statyra, who is his wife and now queen, Parasatis favored her second youngest, which is Cyrus the Younger, to distinguish him from Cyrus the Great. Hmm. Now... As you mentioned, being the enemy of Parasatis when you're trying to get the throne is a complicated position. Well, yeah, because we've seen way less important people threatening way less important positions being obliterated by Parasatis. <laughs> so, you know, I guess you don't want to get on her bad side. No, definitely not. And I don't think being her son will do anything to calm down this woman. She is relentless. So So, let's see what she tries. So let's move. First scene, enter the coronation of Artaxerxes II. He's picked a new name. Awesome. Let's get ready. Long live the king. Yes, (laughs) hopefully. So for the coronation, there's apparently a tradition that the new king would wear the robes of Cyrus the Great, that they'd apparently conserved, and then have Mm. this big ceremony, as you would. That sounds like Darius I had something to do with that tradition. (laughs) I can imagine he would have, yes. If anybody did, he's a man who would have started it. At this point, we pan over to a dark cloakroom where the robes of Cyrus the Great are being held. And who do we find there but Cyrus the Younger? Oh. Cyrus the Younger is in the cloakroom. Who was in a terrible position already because he had decided to murder some cousins of his uh, for no apparent reason or a very schemy, shady reason. Yeah. I.e. essentially insinuating I am your king. When he wasn't. He's not. Yes, exactly. Well, he is going to give it a shot, isn't he? So we see Cyrus in the room with the robes of Cyrus the Great and he is hidden in the darkness. The only thing you can see of him is the glint of sunlight off a blade that he has in his hand. And our freshly minted Artaxerxes II is going to enter the room to wear the appropriate robes. And Cyrus is getting ready, just behind the door, sneaking behind, not making much noise. All right. When suddenly, Tissaphernes shows up. Oh, come on. <laughs> Remember I was like, are we missing our king in the first five minutes of our episode already? Not yet, because Tissaphernes, who is also Artaxerxes' brother-in-law, so remember. Right. Wait, is he the brother who tried to kill the princess? He's the brother of who that killed... guy. He was okay. the only other person of that family that was spared because he had okay. done loyal right. service to the crown. He was the one was dealing with say, Athens and Sparta. The one who did kill the princess got uh, offed by 
party satchis. Yeah, he got got really early on. <laughs> he did not last So long. this is the other brother who was just magically spared for some reason. I mean, he was spared because he was the guy that was conducting the war between Athens and Sparta. So he had done uh, okay, good okay. work, he so to... fair enough. I see. So Tissaphernes shows up to Artaxerxes saying, My king, my king, I have terrible news. This Magus here with me has said that your brother Cyrus is plotting to kill you. You should arrest him at once. <laughs> with Cyrus in the room? With Cyrus just next door. <laughs> oh my god. Just like literally listening behind an open door. Just yeah, basically it's like, oh, oh no. At which point Artaxerxes calls the guards. The guards search the palace and find young Cyrus with a dagger. <laughs> well, you know, it was very immediate. Yes, yeah, like, so not great. That was very close. And... That is hilarious also. Just literally yes. caught red-handed. Just... Yeah, so Cyrus has been <laughs> caught red-handed. Very, oh. very clear that he was trying something. Yeah, like right that moment. <laughs> yes, exactly. Now, what do you think happens? Um, I honestly, seeing how these traditions usually go, I would say, oh, Artaxerxes will imprison his brother. But like, maybe he just straight up said execute him because apparently family means nothing when you're royalty. But also... There's like 50% of me that thinks that Parisatis will prevent this from happening. I don't know. That is a very good guess. How, how important Artaxerxes II is right now compared to his mom. Well, he is important enough that if he wanted to have his brother executed, he could. And right. he is planning to have Cyrus executed. He's ordering right. Cyrus's execution. But then Parisatis shows up saying... Please, my son, don't kill your brother. You're both my children. I love you both equally, fingers crossed. Yes, <laughs> of course. Of course you do. And she says, listen, I have a solution. Don't kill Cyrus. Just send him back to his province in Asia Minor. That'll be fine. He won't make any trouble. And so you don't have to kill your brother and you can just live in harmony. It'll be fine. But she was very happy to try and kill Artaxerxes' wife. Yes. So you know. <laughs> Kill your wife, whatever, I don't care. But don't kill your brother. I love you both equally. I couldn't live with just one of you. I mean, no, I couldn't. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, so Parasatis makes this impassioned plea and Artaxerxes says, uh, I, I guess, Please, my sure. son, I've already lost a daughter. Yeah, presumably that was a sentence that went in there. And Artaxerxes says, okay, fine. You can go back to Asia Minor. Just don't make any trouble and it'll be fine. Artaxerxes, no. <laughs> Although, I will point out that Cyrus's version of the story that he's going to say in the future is that actually of he course. was framed for murder by his evil brother who wanted to get well, rid of, of him. Well, of course, you're not going to admit if you came to the throne in a iffy, non-very legitimate way. You're not going to say, oh, yes, I did this. Like, yeah. if we've learned anything... From Darius the first. <laughs> Definitely. Is you make the truth however it suits you, you know? Yeah, exactly. And also, you wouldn't try and frame your brother for murder and then say, ah, well, but actually I'm going to spare you. Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. If you're going to frame someone for murder, you might as well frame them properly. Yeah, it's because you want to execute them, get them out of the way. Yeah. So, eh, you know, Cyrus probably tried to murder his brother. Yeah, although at this point, I don't know why Parasatis still likes him better than Artaxerxes. 
Because Cyrus, the younger, hasn't been doing that great lately in the assignments that he's had. Like, yes, he put an end to the war in the Peloponnese. Like, that was kind of his, you know... Yeah, his backing, his, his I guess. homework. What is it called? <laughs> sure. His, assign his yeah. assignment from his mom. But, like, he did it kind of... Started well, then kind of eh, didn't give it the importance it should have. And then at the end, he was like, okay, I'll just shovel all this money to you. Please end it. I need this to be done. And a bit of a hasty, you know, like, mm -hmm. I just... This has to work. And then this happens, and he gets caught in the silliest way possible yeah and, i don't know i mean I feel again like... he's a teenager so <laughs> i know i know i know i'm being like obviously he's much better than any other teenage uh royalty <laughs> i mean eh. but it usually goes terribly if you give teenagers power definitely yes. usually but just he got sent to this province that he's going to go back to now as a test of okay let's see if you can govern this he took reasonable job there i don't remember if it went uh, I mean, we don't know much about the government it didn't fall apart that can be said All but right. uh you know beyond that not much detail yeah well so so i guess he's okay but so far he hasn't like particularly impressed me and he keeps getting caught yeah so. i think this is less parasatis thinking cyrus is excellent and more thinking that artaxerxes no, no. is inadequate Obviously. so yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much that balance is gonna, you know, yeah, stand. She isn't so much rooting for Cyrus as against Artaxerxes. She thrives on fear. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, hate. Fair enough. Yeah, and she needs so. to complete her revenge checklist with Tissaphernes and Statyra, so she needs to find a way yeah. to do that. She will not let go. It's been years, mother. Yeah. <laughs> so at this point, Cyrus heads over to Anatolia, to his old satrapies. And there he shows himself submissive to Artaxerxes. And he sends a lot of tribute back, sends a lot of deference, reports things very diligently. He seems to be trying to emulate the first Cyrus by giving people more gifts than necessary, punishing people without humiliating them, you know, following right, Cyrus's right, example. Yeah. He wants to be a new Cyrus, as you would if your name were Cyrus. Of course. So he's, you know, making a point. Look how good I am at governing. Yeah, Much exactly. better than my brother. Yeah, exactly. And Artaxerxes also tries to sort of fight with generosity. He tries to give people a lot of very nice gifts. So, for example, when Artaxerxes was passing through a village with some common people, one of the local villagers had nothing to give him, so he just cupped his hands and gave him some fresh water. And Artaxerxes rewarded him with a beautiful goblet of gold and a thousand darics with which this man could basically buy his entire village because wow. Artaxerxes was just so grateful and so nice. I mean, that is a very sweet story, honestly, and very heartbreaking, the fact that the, the man is like... It makes for a good story. Not sure if it happened, but... Yeah, um, this is Plutarch telling us, but hey. Yeah, certainly something you would tell people about. Yeah, especially if you're a new king. You want to be known as the king that is generous and helpful to everyone. Yeah, honestly, maybe we should do this with all government and just have people pitch against each other and see, <laughs> like, no, I, I can do it better than you. No, I can do it better than you and just do a generosity, <laughs> generosity and, and kindness battle. Honestly, you know. Yeah, there are worse ways, definitely. But in the meantime, in the provinces, Cyrus has a dilemma because his life was only spared because his mom said so. Yeah, well, you know. And now he has two choices. 
either he can be loyal to Artaxerxes and trust that Artaxerxes trusts him and that Artaxerxes won't just call him to the capital one day and execute him because he feels threatened, mm-hmm. which Artaxerxes has a good reason. And... Yeah, yeah. He'd have to walk on eggshells for essentially the rest of his life yeah. unless he proves himself to be really, really loyal. Or I don't know. Like, I don't know if Artaxerxes would ever truly forgive him. And to be fair, he did try to murder him. Yeah, so. exactly. And Parasatis isn't going to live forever. So when she's not yeah. telling Artaxerxes, please don't kill Cyrus, is Artaxerxes still going to follow through? Yeah, exactly. So the other option that Cyrus has is... The only way to guarantee his safety is to take the throne. Yeah, to do what he was going to do in the first place. Yes. So he uses his position that he had gained in all these years of government of Asia Minor to gather some forces. Raise an army. Yes, because he also has a lot of connections in Greece. And these are very Uh useful to him now because... Well, yeah, because he helped with the war. Yeah, exactly. He essentially, like, ended it. Yeah, and now since the war is over... You have a lot of people who are good at stabbing things that are out of a job. <laughs> right. And look who's coming. Cyrus goes on a grand tour of Greece with bucket loads of money and says, Hey, we're going to go suppress a revolt in Asia Minor. It's a small thing. Don't worry about it. Don't question it. Sounds fair. I would like to have as many powerful Greek soldiers as I can to join me in this adventure. Don't worry, it's nothing illegal, just suppressing a revolt, trust me. Yeah, and also, like, if you're paying them, and they're not part of- like, they are Greek, what- how- it would not be technically illegal for them, right? No, definitely, but if they think that they're going to go fight the king, if they're going to march all the way to Iran, they might not be convinced, but if it's just, oh, it's just an Asian mind, it's fine. And many, many Greek mercenaries arrive, there's 13,000 Greek mercenaries coalescing towards Cyrus's army in Anatolia. So we just shoveled a bunch of money to end the war over there between Athens and Sparta. How do we still have more money? What the What is happening? <laughs> the empire is very rich. And also, presumably, Cyrus had some of his own funds. When he went back to the capital, maybe he managed to gather something. Parasatis is probably helping with her own money. So... I mean, everything's easier when you have the money. Yeah, definitely. And among these 13,000 Greek mercenaries is a fellow that we know very well. That is Xenophon. Remember Xenophon? Yes. Yes. I told you that he had been at the court of a Persian prince. Cyrus is that prince. And this is where Xenophon hears all the stories he's going to put in the Cyropedia. And all about the education of Persian princes. So this is where he comes into contact. Interesting. And it's great because we have sources on both sides because Xenophon is in the Cyrus camp and Tejas is in the Artaxerxes camp. So we get to hear what both people think, which is really fun and great and I love it. Oh, that is excellent. Such a good crossover. I love it. Yes. So finally they're combining and meshing. So after having gathered all this army in 401, Cyrus starts to head over and march into Asia from Anatolia. Goes a few days, march, keeps going, keeps going. At a certain point, the mercenaries start to ask him, Cyrus, um, you sure this isn't Anatolia? I feel like we're, I feel like we're going a bit far. Right. (laughs) Yeah, did we not, was Anatolia not there? Did we, did we just miss it? The signs here 
have a bit of a different language. I don't, like, I don't know. Like, I haven't looked at the map, but, you know, people here don't seem to... <laughs> and Cyrus turns around and says, no, 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 don't worry. We're definitely going the right direction. Here, have a 50% pay rise. Don't question it. <laughs> Everybody says, okay, you know what sure. what this pay rise is called? It's called shh. It's fine. <laughs> yes. Don't worry about it. Exactly. And... After a while, you keep keep marching, keep marching, and then the mercenaries say, Cyrus, we can't see the sea anymore. We've definitely left Anatolia. We're probably in Syria or Mesopotamia already. You're sure we're going in the right direction? At which point Cyrus says, Surprise, everyone! We're going to go fight my brother and take the throne. Okay, how many soldiers actually stay? Well, the trick is... He also says, if all of you want to go back home on your own through a lot of wilderness that you don't know how to traverse, feel free to do that. Otherwise, right. <laughs> join me for the actual road that leads to civilization. Uh, smart. Which everybody says, <laughs> ah, well, I, I don't feel like walking all the way home without knowing where I'm going. That sounds like a 10-year odyssey I don't want to go through. Sure, we'll follow you, Cyrus. Right. It's a bit of a all of us or none of us kind of yeah, situation. Yeah, basically. Because a whole army going through probably would be okay, but like just a couple dudes, nah. <laughs> Do you want to go through a land where you know not the language, not the place? There might be bandits around. You have no idea. It's a mess. So Cyrus does this, but also promises that he is going to reward them beyond their wildest dreams, because honestly, once he gains the throne, he is going to be the richest man in the world, and he is going to give his close friend satrapies and crowns of gold to all the soldiers and that frankly the empire is so huge that he is going to run out of people to thank before he runs out of money Whoa. so don't worry this is a good plan that's i mean yeah because i was saying money makes everything easier but if we've seen people fall crash and burn in the quickest time is when they can't pay the armies that granted them the throne so hopefully that won't happen yeah, and the thing is that judging based on some later reports, like generation or two down the line, the Achaemenid Empire has stores of money equals to about a hundred years of taxes from Athens at its height. So they can pay for anything you need. What the hell? How? How did inflation not like ruin this or what? Mm -hmm. It works well. Imagine. Also, Cyrus's revolt comes at a bad time, because Artaxerxes was preparing his army to recapture Egypt, but now realizes... Right, I was going to ask, what is this Egyptian revolt happening at the same time? Like, Yeah, what? he was preparing his army to march on Egypt and retake it, but now he sees, oh no, what is Cyrus doing? Oh no, this isn't his satrapy. We need to fix this. So Artaxerxes orders his army for Egypt to retreat back towards Babylon to defend the crown. And Egypt is going to be left on its own for a while to deal with itself. And in short order, all of Egypt has fallen to this new pharaoh who has proclaimed a new dynasty that is going to rule Egypt forever and ever. I see, as you do. You know. As you would. Is it a famous dynasty? Do we know about it or does it get crushed down the line? as well oh uh, we know about it we're still going to hear a bit about it it's not going to all right so disappear I'm too quickly we're losing egypt artaxerxes can definitely not count on egypt at this point it is out of his hands 
So he gathers his army, brings it all the way back to Babylon, starts organizing it, calls for reinforcements from the eastern satrapies to try and get this whole army together to fight Cyrus and win. However, in the meantime, Cyrus has been gathering support of all the Anatolian satraps who have been sending him soldiers, seeing where the wind is blowing and betting on him to become king at last, because, well, the king is going to remember well those who helped him in the time of need. So finally, the two brothers gather together at a town called Kunaksa, only 70 kilometers from Babylon itself, where the two meet in battle on the 3rd of September, 401 BC, which is actually just a few days ago at the time of recording. Oh, yeah. And the cool thing about this is that Xenophon and Tetius are at the battle on opposite sides. Yes, let's go. We get two accounts of this. Now it's like, finally, we have more sources to compare. It feels so real somehow. <laughs> yes, it's magical. I, I still don't expect it to be objective, of course. No, of but, course you not. Know, we still, get two versions. Yeah. So. so, of course, we have that Xenophon starts by telling us that in the battle, the Greeks, he and his buddies, were so terrifying to the Persian enemies that the Persians ran away before they could even shoot arrows at the Greeks. This is unlikely, because, come on, but... Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah. In any case, what happened is that the Greeks did a good job. So they attack Artaxerxes' left flank and manage to send part of his men to start retreating away. So Artaxerxes starts to not look great. So Artaxerxes, in person, moves to try and intercept these Greeks and stop his entire line from falling apart. Mm-hmm. But at this point, Cyrus sees his brother's banner and decides, okay, let's, let's do this. 1v1 let's me, brother. Yes, he's going into battle. I can't, I can't be less. So Yes, so Cyrus, with his own bodyguards, charges towards Artaxerxes, and Artaxerxes is there with his own bodyguards, and the two go against each other. And he just gives us the detailed account of what happens next. So now what we hear is that Cyrus is charging against Artaxerxes. They're both against each other. The first act is a companion of Cyrus who throws his spear at Artaxerxes, but missed. Oh. Artaxerxes instead takes his spear, kills one of Cyrus's bodyguards. So, oh no. starting well. At this point, Cyrus throws his own spear at Artaxerxes, and it goes through his breastplate, two fingers deep into his chest. Oh, And good he shot. just would know, because he's the battle doctor there. Right. So he's seen this wound firsthand. Two fingers doesn't seem that much, but you don't want a wound on your You know, your it's chest. not fatal, but it's not great. And it went through a breastplate first. Yeah, So exactly. that was a good throw. That's why you wear armor. Yeah, and not only this unbalances Artaxerxes enough that he falls from his horse onto oh, no. the ground. Oh, no, no. So at this point, many of his soldiers think, oh, God, Artaxerxes is dead. The king is dead. Let's start right, retreating. They just saw a spear go through his yeah, chest. Yeah, and he just so fell off a horse. What's going is. on? And so a lot of Artaxerxes' men start to flee. The battle doesn't look very good. And after this personal confrontation, Artaxerxes' bodyguards try and take him and drag him away to the high ground where they can survey the battlefield and at least be a bit more defensible. I have the high ground. <laughs> it's over Cyrus. I have the high ground. Exactly. I had to. At this point, Cyrus loses contact with Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes is isolated from his brother. But Cyrus returns to his line, shouting of victory, because the army of Artaxerxes is starting to break in multiple points. There are rumors that the king is dead. Right. Things are not going well at all. Honestly, in the chaos of battle, that's 
really all you need is less about the actual facts of what's happening and more about what the soldiers think at a particular point. And if they think their king is dead, morally, they might just not continue to fight. So, And yeah, so at this point, Cyrus moves back towards his army, but one of Artaxerxes' soldiers hits him somehow in the temple. Ooh, probably with a rock, you would presume. And Cyrus falls off his horse as well. So both kings have been unhorsed. Oh no. And Cyrus is suddenly reached by his soldiers who lift him up in celebration saying, You've won! You've won! Artaxerxes' army is retreating. The battle is won. You are finally okay. king. We can now march oh, on no. Babylon. I'm getting a really bad feeling about this. <laughs> How bad was the hit to the temple? It was Fine. Cyrus seems okay. to be real. I was like, is he just gonna pass away or pass out when people are celebrating? He seems to be getting there, but night is starting to fall, so they're not really going to pursue Artaxerxes directly, but the road to Babylon is wide open. And at this point, in the darkness, all the soldiers gather, celebrating, fating Cyrus, saying, Congratulations, my king. Oh, everybody is trying to be the first to congratulate their king on his accession. Right. At which point, in the darkness, some of Artaxerxes' men got mixed up in Cyrus's army. Ooh. And they didn't realize because it was dark. They thought, I guess we won? Cool. Hooray. We won. Oh, no. And then at a certain point, they pay more attention to what's going on. They say, what? Wait, King Cyrus? Oh, oh, we're in the wrong camp. Oh, no. Oh, no. How did you end up in the wrong camp, though? <laughs> like, I understand getting mixed up in battle because, like, nobody can see anything. It's dark. Even if you have, you know, torches or whatever, like... Yeah, not sure how they got in the wrong camp. PM, it's fine. But, yeah. but, like, going all the way to a place where your tents are not... <laughs> got lost somehow. It was dark. It was confusing. It's a civil was war. Going to the bathroom. They don't look very Sorry. different, so I guess. At yeah. which point, one of these soldiers realizes, takes his spear, <gasps> stabs Cyrus from behind through the leg, rupturing no. an artery. Holy crap! Wait! They were right next to Cyrus? Yeah. Cyrus then what? loses his balance, falls to the ground, hits his head on the rock, and uh. splits his head open, dying oh, instantly. No. I need I, <laughs> I need a moment. Like, I genuinely... It wasn't even the spear that killed him. I mean, that would have eventually killed him. if he ruptured an artery. That. Oh my god, this roller coaster. <laughs> I need... I need therapy after this episode. <laughs> oh, for more reasons than one. Splitting your head open with a rock is never good. Two hours later. So, yeah. Okay. So, Cyrus could have yeah. won the battle, but he wanted to be a hero and fight his brother, so he lost everything. He lost his life? Definitely. You know, as you do when you get into a battle. Yeah. He knew the risks. Listen. Yeah. Definitely. Perhaps he did not expect this to go this particular way because, wow. But, you know. Yes, exactly. Well, so ends the Civil War. Done. Hooray. I thought he was going to be king. What are you talking about? <laughs> Sorry. No extra Cyrus episode. I don't know why I was rooting for him because, like, honestly, he's not that great. But, like, just all the intrigue, the yeah. murder attempt and the was exciting, Ooh. but not everybody can succeed in a coup. What Sogdianus happened to that soldier? We'll find out. Oh, wait. So he wasn't, like, immediately killed by the surrounding no. people? No, because then everybody <gasps> saw Cyrus dead and decided, 
oh no, this isn't the real king. We need to run to Artaxerxes so we don't get executed for treason. And so everybody scrambles away, fleeing either to their homes or to Artaxerxes to try and say, no, my king, I was just mixed up. I'm sorry. I didn't mean anything. Please forgive me. Uh, Well, but most of them are Greeks. So why do they- A lot of them are Greeks, but most of them are- Anatolian oh, right. satraps the, who yeah, are... Yeah, that's true, that's true, yes. Yeah, you don't want to I lose I guess the Greeks it. go back home. <laughs> well, you say that. The Greeks go oh, back well, home is a point. they have to get paid. Yes, they have to get paid and they have to get back somehow <laughs> through the wilderness they don't know how to get through. Uh, so same problem. Yes. The protected sir is better. Definitely. I mean, you had one job. Yes, we'll hear more have about this. Chess? There's a whole you book. You protect the king. <laughs> yeah, that's important. <laughs> So at this point, the official version of the story is that Artaxerxes bravely killed his brother in battle. It was a terrifying duel, but finally, at last, he made it. He managed to defeat Cyrus and, well... With a spear through his heart. Yes, and his head of Cyrus is presented to him and paraded around in victory. Split open head. Beautiful. Now, Parasatis. Her favorite son is Uh dead. Uh Uh-huh. She's not happy about this. No, I would assume. So first yeah. of all, she goes all the way to Artaxerxes, begging him to at least give her son an honorable funeral. Fu- fun- honorable funeral. Bloopers. <laughs> 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 yes, an honorable funeral. So she goes and says, listen, I know he rebelled. I know he tried to have you murdered. I know he's my favorite son. I'm not that. But <laughs> please at least give him a decent funeral. Don't leave him to just rot away, have him buried properly. And Artaxerxes says, you know what, fine. Yeah. Says, you know what, sure. Member of the royal family, I guess. That's fine. But remember the guy that stabbed Cyrus? Yes, I do. What's his name? His name is Mithridates. (gasps) No! It's a very common name, apparently. No, it's a different one. It's just every side character is called Mithridates here. Okay, then that doesn't help much. No. I was so excited no, for No, sorry. So this Mithridates goes to a tavern one night with the hush money that Artaxerxes gave him and gets very drunk. Gets so drunk that he starts boasting to everybody present that, oh, no, 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 the king won't tell you this, but I was the one who killed Cyrus. I'm the one who killed the prince. Which, listen, any soldier could do that, right? Mm-hmm. People don't have to believe it, but also is that considered treason? That's a question, isn't it? Is it treason to kill a rebellious prince? Eh, there are no, different arguments. And also, arguments. is it treason to say the king didn't do this? Oh, I also, did. that is probably partially treason, you know, definitely. Because I'm like, yeah, of course someone would boast about this. And like, nobody would believe him. You know, it would be like, yeah, whatever, man. You're just, you were at the battle. But if someone does believe him, and regardless, you should not do that. Yeah. Even if it is true. And he says he's been unjustly robbed of his glory, that, oh, the king isn't rewarding him you enough. You paid? Not enough, apparently. And, well, what happens? Drunk with power. At this point, we get that Parasatis hears from some of her agents, somebody claiming to have killed Cyrus. Oh, who is right, there? So she thinks Artaxerxes did it. I mean, she has no she reason not to. She wasn't there. Accounting of the story. I mean, it's not unbelievable knowing Cyrus. Yeah, so yeah. Could they be. did have a one-on-one battle. Yeah. Like, you know, it did happen. But. So she hears, oh, really? This guy's boasting of having killed my favorite son. That's fun. Mm-hmm. That's fun. Nice. Also, Artaxerxes gets the news and says, 
this wasn't how it was supposed to go. This was meant to be the official version. Now everybody knows I didn't kill Cyrus. And I'm robbed of this glory. I already paid you to keep your mouth shut for your good service to the crown. Yeah, why are you doing this? We need the propaganda push. Which, honestly, if he had wanted to be mean about it, he could have punished him because how dare you kill a member of a royal family. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, even though it would be a really mean thing to do because I can literally help you, but... Yeah, still. He could have done that, and he didn't. And he paid him for it. Eh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's issues. very smart of this soldier. So Parasatis tells Artaxerxes, don't worry, my son, I'll deal with this. It's all right. Just hand the soldier over to me and I'll make sure we solve this situation. Brief content warning from the future. Some terrible, terrible things are going to happen to some people. So if you're squeamish about that, maybe skip ahead like five minutes. Moral of the story is terrible things happen to those who oppose Parasatis. Has the ash chamber been repaired? Apparently not. They're renovating the ash chamber, so... Oh, come on. Parasatis decides, you know what, let's stretch this man on the wheel for ten days. Oh, no. So they have a bunch of torture equipment? Definitely. Parasatis just got her new torture equipment and wants to use it. Then they have this poor man's eyes put out, and molten bronze is poured into his ears. Oh. The end. Ouchie. Next, Parasatis hears of the man that first wounded Cyrus in his temple. Well, this is not fair, because this guy is just a soldier doing his job, right? Yeah. Although it happened after the battle of Cyrus with Artaxerxes, but, like, still, it's still a battle, right? Yeah. Like, the opposing soldiers are still allowed to try and get the king. Like, yeah. that's how war works, Yeah. right? But Parasatis is not satisfied with just one death for her son. She wants many more people to suffer. So what she does is she takes this poor man who first wounded Cyrus and then does something really, really horrible. Who was just working for her son, you know, doing his job. Yes, exactly. And she takes this poor man and has him executed via scaphism, which I will not describe because it is really, really disgusting and terrible. They both want to look it up and don't want... Yeah... I feel like it will hurt me physically. Yeah. Anyway, it's horrifying. Look it up if you have a strong stomach. If not, maybe don't. Or remain in the bliss of ignorance. Yeah, that's fine. So this poor man is executed horribly. And Parasatis still needs to check off one last person from her execution list. And she... Another wife. No, not yet. (laughs) Later. (laughs) Soon. No. Cool. She actually found the man that cut off Cyrus's head to present it to Artaxerxes. Ooh. He was dead. Oh I don't know. And then the poor man was flayed and crucified. Wow, do a good job for your uh, empire, I guess. Yeah, which is exactly what Statyra says. Artaxerxes doesn't oppose this much, but Satyra openly opposes Parasatis, saying, What are you doing? These were just loyal men serving their king. It's not treason yeah. if they're a traitor first. Yeah. Cyrus was a traitor. They did their job correctly. You shouldn't do this. Yeah, like, I'm sorry your favorite son is dead, but th- this is just how war works. Yeah. And he decided to do that. Now, as you mentioned before, there are still 10,000 Greek mercenaries who haven't been paid and don't know And who what need to, to go do. home somehow. Yes. So at this point, what do we do? Well, 
all the mercenary leaders were persuaded to go and talk with Tissaphernes in the capital. They'll discuss everything. It'll be fine. It'll be cool. So, of course, Tissaphernes then has them all imprisoned and sent to Babylon. Yeah. Yeah, because, because like, they are the enemy army. Yeah, exactly. Like, what they... <laughs> they are, you, you know. know. And at this point, Parasatis and Statyra argue because Parasatis wants to have them all freed to return home, while Statyra wants to have all of them killed because they're traitors. What are we doing? For once, Parasatis is not the murderers. Yes, because I guess they all helped, you know, their children. Yeah. Also, Tejas tries to get one of these generals. He speaks to him in person and tries to sort of mm. find a way out to find a solution. But... Right there was not a solution because this time Statyra wins and all the leaders of the mercenaries are executed. When the news comes back to the army, all the mercenaries then elect a new leader and their new leader is now Xenophon, who is in charge of all the mercenary army and he is in charge of leading them back to Greece. And he will? He has an entire book called The Anabasis by Xenophon where he describes the way there and all the way back. So an odyssey, essentially. Wow. Yes. It takes them almost Except ten I hope years, not honestly. Everyone dies, you know. A lot of people die, frankly. But yes. Really? How did they get there without losing the army? Well, because they had the supplies and Cyrus knew who to follow and he had the support of the local oh. satraps and all that stuff. But now no, they're not paid, they have no food, no nothing, and they're being pursued by the Achaemenid army, which is occasionally peppering them with arrows. That's terrifying. Really bad decision. Yeah. I'm sure everyone in Greece is glad that Cyrus is dead. <laughs> in a way. Or, you know, let's put it this way. Everyone in Greece hopes that Cyrus is having a terrible time in the underworld. <laughs> yes, definitely. So Xenophon leads his men back and there's a, a teary scene where everybody finally falls to their knees when they finally find the sea and they start shouting, The sea! The sea! <laughs> Good God. And then it takes them like three more years to get home after that. But it's none of Artaxerxes' business. He won. He has the throne. Hooray. But there are still some domestic troubles. And Parsat still has the chess list that she needs to fill out, as you said. Satyra needs to go. Right, and now she's even more mad at her because she won this argument. Yes. Yeah, she won this argument. She was criticized for brutally murdering those loyal soldiers. Yeah. So, Parasitus is annoyed. So, one day in the year 400, so a few months after this, Parasitus calls up Satyra and says, Listen, dear daughter-in-law, you know what? I was too harsh on you. I'd like to be friends again. I'm sorry this was no, a terrible a situation. You know what? To signal our friendship, let's have this quail together. We can just eat from the same quail. I can show you that there is nothing to worry about. So Parasatis right. goes, cuts this quail in half, takes one of the halves, hands the other to Statyra. And then looks intently as she doesn't eat until Satyra has eaten something. No, actually she does. I don't expect her to just have poisoned it because, you know, Satyra is not stupid. Yeah, so Parasatis takes this bit of quail, takes a nice big bite out of it, Satyra is sufficiently convinced that, okay, it's not poisoned. Satyra takes a bite. Cough. Cough, cough. Cough, cough, cough. I knew it. Throwing up yep. blood. And Satyra yep. falls to the ground, dead. Poisoned. Clearly. Because Parasatis hadn't poisoned the food so much, she just poisoned one side of the knife blade. 
so that only one of the two halves could be poisoned. What? That is so dangerous. Listen, <laughs> that is fucking cool. Yes. But also so dangerous. Like, I would not trust that working. I mean, I assume I she ate the all... bit far away from the chopping. Yeah, yeah, part, I assume. Yeah. Because there's no way that one of the halves wouldn't get tainted just from the. There's yeah. no way. This is what Tish just tells us, so. You would end up with poison in both halves. Yeah, maybe so she's one of those people that also just takes poison daily to accustom herself. It feels yes, like a parasitic thing to do. Build up yeah. a resistance. I thought, honestly, I thought that's what you were going to say that she had just been taking this poison for like years. Yeah. There's another yeah. character like 400 years down the line that does something similar, but not parasitic. Can't wait. Can't wait to meet them. Yeah. So at this point, Artaxerxes realizes. Mom, why did you kill my wife? I explicitly told you not to. This isn't great. My children are growing I to grow up without I thought we were over mother. this. What are you yeah. doing? And so Artaxerxes banishes Parasatis to Babylon, which frankly isn't very far away, I guess. But don't worry, Parasatis will manage to scheme her way back into the court a couple of years later. Because what's killing a wife among family? Come on. Oh. So at this point, Artaxerxes needs to deal with the aftermath of all of Cyrus's war and all the messes he caused. So he appoints Tissaphernes again to Cyrus's post as commander of Asia Minor, essentially. And Tissaphernes now wants to ensure that the little Greek city-states on the coast of Anatolia that are under Achaemenid control that supported Cyrus wants to ensure that all these little states are still loyal and they're not going to rebel or anything. But all of these different cities agree that they're probably going to be punished for this because attempted mm. coups don't go down easily. So they ask help from the hegemon of Greece. And who is that now? Sparta! Hooray! Hey. They call to help and say, Sparta, please come help us. We're worried we're going to be really punished terribly. Have you heard about Parasatis? We don't want to go through that. So is Sparta still following their ways of, eh, you can help yourself. I'm not going to get myself in trouble. Apparently not. Now that they are... Oh, character development. Yeah, weird. <laughs> At least outside of Greece. Inside of Greece, they're being terrible and everybody hates them. Outside of Greece, it seems like they're trying to project their power. Gotta love Sparta. Because yeah. now that they've destroyed the Athenian Empire, because, oh, they hate imperialism and all that, they've decided, wouldn't it be nice if we had an empire? Yeah, yeah of course. I like empires. <laughs> empires are great. Let's go make an empire, Spartans. Hooray. We already have like an 80 to 90% slave population. What's a little more? Sure, this will go brilliant. So there we go. So the Spartans disembark their army into Asia and they start to win over a few of the different little city-states there. And after a couple of years, they also recruit the remaining Greek mercenaries under Xenophon, which were just returning home, and they needed somebody oh, to pay them at last. Oh no, but, oh no. So the only way you can make money is to go into another yes. terrible war. These people are having a terrible, terrible time. Oof, the mental health and it just okay. exactly imagine coming back home from an odyssey like literal odyssey and being like well 
if I want to be able to live and afford food and housing, I better do this again! Yeah, also spoiler alert, Xenophon never returns home to Athens, ever. He never makes it back. He just retires mm -hmm. to Pergamon to write history because he's exiled Honestly, from his homeland for working uh, with the Spartans. There. Yeah, well, you know, at least he lives. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Oof. But now, the Athenians are annoyed at Sparta. And they think, oh, we can get back at Sparta. Because in the meantime, they didn't really have democracy again, but they've sort of reconstructed some things. Mm. So an Athenian admiral asks Artaxerxes, give me command of the Persian fleet, and I will cut off the Spartans. So they'll be isolated in Asia, and then you can just attack them without reinforcements. Sound good? Sounds good. And apparently, remember Pharnabazus from last time, who was the guy actively trying to attack Athens in opposition to Tissaphernes, who wanted to just pay Sparta? Yes, yes, I remember. Yeah. So Pharnabazus actually now is on Athens' side. He says, yes, oh. yes, yes, follow what this Athenian admiral is telling you. Go for it. Well, you know, people change their mind. Yeah. So Pharnabazus goes and teams up with Tissaphernes, and together they fight for the defense of Anatolia against the Spartan forces. Hmm. But there isn't a great battle. They're both pretty much equally matched, so the Spartans wait, Tisphernes waits, they send some messengers back and forth trying to negotiate, and we see what Bureaucracy. happens. Yeah. Actually, they decide, you know what, let's have a truce for a year. We need to hear from our governments back home, let's just keep things as they are, we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. And it's at this point that a sad event happens. Or sad for us, I guess. Because in 397 <laughs> Tejas was sent to Sparta with a letter about these negotiations. Oh no. And once he's delivered this letter, Tejas returns home to his hometown of Nidus, where he spends the rest of his life writing histories and travel guides. Oh. So it's sad for okay. us because Tejas is gone. Sorry. But it's good for him because... We're not going to read any of his travel guides? We don't have them anymore because nobody liked Oh them. no. <laughs> we have very no. few Tejas bits. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think he deserved better, but hey. Uh. And uh, yeah, so Tejas is now retired. And it's nice because he's no longer a slave. He's managed to work off his slavery, gets to return home. Oh, wow. So could have been a lot worse in Parasatus's court. No, of course. Good, good job, Tejas. Yeah. So Proud of you. Nice. Now, at this point, the year after Tejas retires, the Spartans received news that Artaxerxes is assembling a grand fleet of ships in Phoenicia. So the Spartans send one of their kings, Agesilaus, into Anatolia to try and finish the war quickly. So they're not cut off. And everything seems to be going well, so they push a bit forward, manage to take a few extra little places. And Tissaphernes asks for a truce. He says, okay, three months to negotiate the freeing of the Ionian cities. You can have them, mm -hmm. Sparta. It's okay. But Tissaphernes uses these three months to just quickly send letters home to Artaxerxes saying, hey, we need more soldiers now. Please send them. Ooh, okay. And so, in the meantime, the Athenian admiral that they'd hired takes the fleet of ships and manages to isolate the Spartans. At which point, Tissaphernes orders the Spartans to leave Asia, but again, it's sort of back and forth. So it's a little bit problematic. There's a bit of conflict here. Well, because they're trying to play the... Oh yeah, you've won. Like, don't worry. Just don't attack us anymore. Just we'll we'll, we'll start discussions of what we're gonna give you and what you're gonna you know what yeah, peace exactly. treaty whatever truce. It'll be fine. And then in the meantime, they're like, 
okay, we need more soldiers, but when they get here, we'll kick their ass. We just need them to not do anything right now because we're in trouble. Yeah, exactly. So more people are getting involved in this conflict and it's expanding quite a lot because mm. in the meantime, Egypt was in its own bit of turmoil. It gone through a couple of different dynasts mm -hmm. where oh, a number see, of different so that, rebel uh, pharaohs killed each other in succession. Yeah, that new pharaoh with a new dynasty didn't last very long then. Yeah, it's a bit of a mess. But they decide, you know what, if we're going to fight the Achaemenids, let's send help to Sparta. Mm -hmm. So they gear up a hundred ships, plenty of grain, and send it over to help the Spartans. That makes sense. Common enemy. Yeah, but our friendly Athenian admiral manages to intercept these ships, sink them all. Victory. Oops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, the Athenian admiral again goes to Pharnabazus and tells him, listen, if I know one thing is that... If there's one person the Greeks hate more than the Achaemenids, it's other Greeks. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's correct, yeah. Not wrong. Yeah, so send money to Thebes, Argos, and Corinth, persuading them to fight against the Spartans. And this is going to succeed. So Pharnabazza sends all this money. There's a lot of Daryks going back and forth. But mm -hmm. in the meantime, Tissaphernes is having a bit of trouble with the Spartans. And the Spartans actually managed to defeat him in one serious battle, which is quite mm. embarrassing for him. Oh, no. Now, remember who was last on Pyrosatis' murder list? Tissaphernes, who was the brother. Oh, right, because we couldn't... Yes, the, the brother of the actual guy, because he was useful because of the yeah. Greek war. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. So he's been defeated. He was spared. And now he's or been so... defeated, so yeah. there we go. Ooh. So Parasatis manages to convince her son Artaxerxes Tissaphernes is probably a rebel. Replace him and have him executed. Why? What? So this is purely just Parasatis' personal revenge? Apparently. Because this does not help the empire at all. No, she's probably saying Tissaphernes is probably is working chance. with the Spartans. Ooh, it's, uh, you know, he's trying to betray us. Please, son. This is purely just to satisfy her thirst for revenge. Yes. This woman. Ooh. Best villain. <laughs> Someone please make a villain story about her. I, I need her. Yes, exactly. She did not have a villain arc. She was just born the villain. Yes, baby, she was born this way. <laughs> so Parasatis manages to have Tissaphernes executed. His head is brought to her on a silver platter in the capital. And finally, she is satisfied. She can rest. And now she may, you know. Like, does she just die? Yes, she's she completed her. <laughs> she's completed her mission. She's completed and now all she can her quests. Main story finished. Okay, she can fade away into Valinor, fade away into the West, and there she goes. Now in Asia Minor, Tissaphernes has been replaced by Pharnabazus, who is now leading this war and is becoming quite a senior satrap. And Agesilaus, the king of Sparta. Runs a few more campaigns, goes back and forth, but he is defeated a few times. Again, it's nothing conclusive. At which point, the strategy of Pharnabazus pays off, because Agesilaus gets a letter from Sparta saying, Hey, everybody's mad at us that we keep putting our allies in the front lines and the Spartans are in the back, mm -hmm. and they're, they're all rebelling now. We now actually have to fight. Also, remember our massive slave population? Yeah, they're not happy anymore. Could you uh, <laughs> come and deal with them, please? You know, because they're slaves. 
So yeah, you know, <laughs> that's how Sparta can have a military state because nobody has to do any real work. They just have to stab people and the slaves do everything. Mm-hmm. So then who is the real state? You know, the people who actually keep the state going or yeah. the stabby stabby killy killy. Yeah, Sparta's going know. to learn that you don't alienate a 90% slave population without consequences. Aha, uh-huh, surprise. So Agesilaus, as Spartans are wont to, quips that he wasn't defeated by the Persian army, but he was defeated by Artaxerxes' 10,000 archers. Because if you'll remember, what is the emblem on the Achaemenid coins? It is a king with a bow. So those are the 10,000 archers that defeated Agesilaus. So the next year after the Spartans are sent back home, the Athenian admiral that we had hired man just absolutely annihilate the Spartan navy. So now the walls are closing in on Sparta. What does this mean for Greece? Because Sparta was right now the main, you know, power, I guess. Yes. Well, now the state in Greece that is sort of trying to take the scepter from Sparta is Thebes. Thebes is now, okay. you know, an ancient, well-loved city who was also mm-hmm. friends with us under Xerxes I. And yeah, love their army. They're trying to do it, and they've touched on innovative tactics such as maybe let's use cavalry. That could be neat. <laughs> and you know, you know, their general Epaminondas is ready to do cool things. And also, they have the sacred band of Thebes, made of yeah, I love it. Yes, so good. Made of 150 pairs of gay lovers together, so they'll fight all the stronger to defend their loved ones and not shame themselves by running away. They're excellent. And by all accounts, they are. Pretty damn terrifying. They're extremely yes. effective. Fear the queers. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but do look up the Band of Thieves. It's a good read. Yes. We'll encounter them in one, two, three, four, I think five episodes. Four or five episodes mm-hmm. again. Fun. Looking forward to it. Yes. So at this point, the situation is a bit messy in Greece because Sparta is trying to fight all this large coalition. But then they're also sending some letters to the Achaemenids saying, hey, okay, but if we leave you, Anatolia, can we have our money back? We don't know how to run Mm -hmm. ships without you. Please help us out. So it's all of a mess. There's entire madness of different alliances versus other alliances. The Athenians temporarily turn on the Achaemenids. It's a whole total mess. The Egyptians are starting to invade Syria. Everything is chaotic. At which point, Mm. Artaxerxes had enough of this. And he decides, you know what? We're going to have a peace. I don't care who accepts it. I'm going to declare peace. If you want it, keep it. (laughs) So Artaxerxes gathers a series of different Greek ambassadors and retires Pharnabazos, by the way, with a marriage to his daughter. And everybody is gathered together, and Artaxerxes proclaimed that all the Greek cities of Asia are his. No discussion. But every other Greek should be independent. So, Sparta, you don't dominate anybody. Thebes, you don't dominate anybody. Play nice. Huh. Alright. What do what do they think? Because, you know... Everybody signs the treaty, which is nice. Oh, okay. The Spartans accept, like, yes, definitely. We want this. Please don't kill us all. We need something. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's tired of war. Yeah. Well, Athens and Thebes are still a bit annoyed with the fact that they're leaving the Greek cities in Asia to the Achaemenids, but they're not annoyed enough or strong enough to actually do something about this. 
Also, there's a very funny scene that Plutarch gives us about the Theban ambassador who is ridiculously petty. Because <laughs> this ambassador, when he arrived at the court of Artaxerxes, didn't want to kneel before the king. Because, oh, I'm a Greek, I don't okay. kneel to anybody. Yeah. So he did the most teenagery thing possible. So he took off his ring and made it fall and then knelt down to pick it up and said, Oh, oh I wasn't God. kneeling to you, I was just getting the ring, actually. I didn't do it because you told me to, I did it because I wanted to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I also don't want to get killed. Yeah. So, yeah. so, yeah, let's, let's not do that. <laughs> so, there we go. Peace in Greece at last. Finally, nothing bad is ever going to come from Greece ever again. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. But yeah, so this leaves Artaxerxes with some time to go back home to Persia and use some of his money for building projects. Yeah, please. Something else than war. <laughs> There's so much war in Artaxerxes' reign, dear God. But he manages to restore Darius's palace in Susa, the one that had burnt down under Artaxerxes I. And he gave you some nice, cool bull capitals, which are always great. And he also commissioned a nice uh, little throne room with an elaborate frieze with fierce white lions and hunt scenes, which is very cool. Also, he restored the fortifications of Susa, because always nice to have. And in Ecbatana, he built a new audience hall, richly decorated with a series of different sculptures, celebrating his rule. Because, well, mm. it's been a while. He's been through a lot. And it happens. But peace doesn't last for long, because our dear friend is in trouble. Because remember, Egypt, they're still in revolt. It's oh, been a while. Goodness. That's true. <laughs> How many years has it been? It's been a long time. It's been 84 years. Close. <laughs> so Artaxerxes tries to send a first expedition to Egypt between 385 and 383. But that one failed because the Athenians sent some military advisors saying, hey, this is how we've managed to beat them all the other times. Do this and it should work. And the Egyptians managed to push back Artaxerxes' army. Right. It's good that they're getting tips from the Athenians. Yeah, it's just a sad, you know, we might as well. You've defeated the Achaemenids before. How did you do it? <laughs> oh, I'll try these 10 things. <laughs> yeah, 10 tips to defeat an Achaemenid army. Number four will surprise you. <laughs> so the first expedition does not go well. Next, Artaxerxes has to fight a fierce tribe in the uh, south of the Caspian Sea that was rebelling. And it goes really badly for everybody. And he, he only manages to obtain peace by giving some humiliating concessions to these people. Oh. And... This humiliation is so dangerous to his throne that he executed most of the nobles that came with his army so that nobody would really talk about this. What the hell? Dude, what? No, what? He learned from mom. How, how does this, how does this help? Oh my God. This... No, this is not a good plan, but yeah. My friend, you're gonna need people supporting you. If you keep killing them, then yeah, they're not gonna wanna. Yeah. But Artaxerxes tries to take Egypt again. So 373, he sends Pharnabazus with an army to try and take all of Egypt. And it seems to go very well. They make their way all the way down to Memphis. Okay. But Pharnabazus was afraid that he would be caught off guard if he went too deep into Egypt. He would get uh, cut off and surrounded. So he waited a bit to uh, get some reinforcements. But hmm. that's when the Nile flood season came. And Pharnabazus was forced to retreat because all of his ways of access were blocked. So, mission failed, and Pharnabazus dies of old age a few years later. Oh, all right. That's a shame how it goes. In the meantime, this is 
pretty much the time when Thebes manages to take the hegemony of Greece and become the head of everybody there. So they're doing well for themselves. Congratulations. Artaxerxes attempted to impose the everybody's actually independent piece again, but the Thebans are busy making their own mini-empire. Yeah. Yeah. Too late. But now it's time for a new expedition against Egypt. Hooray. <laughs> Since the, oh, yeah, the last yeah, four went so well. Things over there. Oh, just give up. Just, I mean, I know that Egypt is very important, like, yeah. you know, strategically, but like at this point, <laughs> they're more trouble than they're worth. Just give up. Yeah. Just make sure that them and Greece don't get along, and then it's fine. But they seem to be getting along quite well as the problem. <laughs> I don't blame them for something. Yeah. So at this point, the satrap in charge of this new expedition heard a rumor, true or not, that somebody in the court was conspiring against him. So this man returned to a satrapy and rebelled. At this point, another satrap was ordered to suppress this first rebellion, but he decided to join it. Oh no! <laughs> this is going yes, great. At which point, Sparta and Athens send soldiers and ships to these satraps saying, come on, make trouble for Artaxerxes, please. See how that goes. And so most of Anatolia starts to begin splitting off from the empire. We also have a satrap called Mausolus of Mausoleum fame. That will be his tomb. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, I see. It's built by his sister wife after he died a few years later. Ah, another sister wife. Yes, fun times. (laughs) Sorry. And Mausolus is always taking care to ensure that he is doing as little as possible to help the king while in the meantime helping the rebels as little as possible that he can have mm. plausible deniability either way. So there we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walking that fine line. Yeah. And these rebels keep gaining momentum until 363 when a satrap called Aroandas, who is the satrap of Armenia, was demoted by Artaxerxes. And Aroandas decides... Well, if I'm going to be demoted anyway, I might as well join the rebels. Yes. And he is made leader of this rebellion. Come on, Artaxerxes. Be smarter about this. Everything is on fire now for Artaxerxes. Because Aroandas gathers all the armies of Anatolia, and just like Cyrus a few decades earlier, he starts a revolt in Syria and moves along the coast of Asia Minor, gathering satraps as he goes. Oh no, this is actually very dangerous at this point. Also, he sends a letter to the Egyptian pharaoh Nectanebo saying, Of course he does. Hey, we're going to invade. Do you want to help us? That would be fun. We can both split the empire. So, oh no. Whoopsie. (laughs) At this point, Artaxerxes is either 85 or 92. And things are problematic. So he needs to lead the army personally. In his 80s. Does he? Yes. Does he? (laughs) To inspire confidence in the men. How it... I don't know if that's... You know, not sure if that will happen, but I... Also, the Spartans send Agesileus, our old friend from Anatolia, to help the Egyptians to stab the Achaemenid Empire once and for all and destroy it. Uh, it's the end game now. See, Parasatis passed away and now everything is on fire. Yeah, exactly. Nothing is going well. So at this point, the rebellious satrap and the Egyptians march towards Mesopotamia, combining each other, and the Egyptians are moving towards Phoenicia, besieging an important city there. 
At which point, Artaxerxes sends his son Ochus to try and stop this, to try and send back Ooh, another Ochus. Yeah, named after his grandfather. Fair enough. Because because family yay and everything is looking absolutely horrifying Artaxerxes is outnumbered he's old he can't hold anything (laughs) it seems like the end of the empire is here yep but then he receives a letter from the Egyptian court oh surprise apparently there was a rebellion back in Egypt oh wow unexpected (laughs) who would have thought but the pharaoh that is now in Phoenicia trying to join the revolt now doesn't have a kingdom anymore and has surrendered to Ochus. Okay, well, lots of things at once. Yes. Let me recap. There was another rebellion. Yeah, so in Egypt, somebody rebelled against the rebels. Yeah, and won. Yes, so now the old pharaoh that was attacking Artaxerxes doesn't have a kingdom anymore. He just has an army and some Spartan mercenaries he can't pay. Right. And the new pharaoh answers to Ochus. No, the old pharaoh, the one that was that's just oh. stranded there with nothing. Oh, okay, okay. Just... So now we have an army, essentially. Yeah, so now we have an army. Great success! Cool. Perfect. The Spartan mercenaries leave because nobody's paying them anymore. Right. The Egyptian threat has been neutralized because the new pharaoh has to stabilize things back in Egypt, so he doesn't have time to attack Artaxerxes. Right. So all we have to do is march against Aruandas and the other satrap rebels. And Artaxerxes manages to march against Aruandas and things go very well because manages to defeat them in a couple of battles, at which point Aruandas sues for peace by betraying his fellow satraps. Oh, fun. And saying, but I get to keep my satrapy. Yep. And Artaxerxes says, fine, I don't care anymore. I am really, really old. Please leave me in peace. Yeah, priorities, you know. Yeah, exactly. So he could have extended the war and defeated all the rebels, but frankly, it's... But no. <laughs> He's had enough. Please. It's okay. Please, that's done. But now we get to the thorny question of succession, because, well, Artaxerxes is uh, getting on in age. Who is he going to choose to succeed him? What are the options? Well, he had a lot of choices. A lot, a lot of choices. Because apparently, according to the Greeks, he had 360 concubines. How? From which he had 150 children. 150 sons. Oh, shut up. No. (laughs) That is not... Well, that's according to the Greeks. So, whatever. I mean, it could have just been that somebody said, Oh, Artaxerxes has a concubine for every night of the year. And everybody was like, Oh, exactly 360. Interesting. Very good. Yeah. So, eh. Were years 360 days? Yeah. Not 365. I mean, yeah, the Egyptians had 365. 360 is the easy version that they had, so, yeah. I see. Close enough. But Artaxerxes had only three children from his primary wife, Satyra, the one murdered by Parasatis. That makes it a bit easier. Called Darius. Ochus. Ariaspes. And Ochus. Exactly. So, Darius was the one that had been appointed as heir early when... Artaxerxes headed on the military expedition that went so badly he had to kill all the nobles. Oof, yeah. Uh-huh. So, Fun. according to Justin, which always makes me very sad as a source. To Justin? Yes, because there's this Roman guy called Justin. Not Justinus, I mean, but he's Justin. probably called Justinus, but you know. <laughs> Justin is the No, English no, 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 he's called Justin. Justin, yes. So, For sure. Justin and his friends Travis and Kyle are now going yep. together. <laughs> So yeah, so Justin always makes me sad because his book is a history of the world. 
but it's okay. a summary of somebody else's better work. Oh, no. And the better work, we don't have it anymore because, well, no. we have the summary. So Justin's always saying, yep, and he had a five-year-long campaign that made him be called the great. No detail. Let's keep moving on. Like, but why, Justin? Yeah, please? read more on page this and this of this other book. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, ah, oh, but, but, but now I just know that this person is called the great because of the cool things they did in this campaign, but nothing else. Oh. But yeah. Anyway, Justin has a little bit of detail in this case, at least. Very good. Thanks, Justin. Because we're told that there is a bit of a mess. Because one of the concubines of Cyrus the Younger was taken by mm -hmm. Artaxerxes after his brother was killed. However, Darius, the heir, wanted to have right. this woman as a gift to himself once he became the heir. Because of course. And Artaxerxes at first accepted, but then he quickly changed his mind and actually made this woman a celibate priestess. Uh-huh. Get wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> or don't, you yeah, know. Whatever. So Darius is now very annoyed at this, and he gathers uh -huh. 50 other of his brothers and conspired to murder the king because he's had a long reign. It's time to go, dad. So he's having an Achilles kind of... Yes, that's Achilles true. versus Agamemnon kind of teenage tantrum. Yeah, basically. You don't let me have this particular woman. Well, then I fight you now. Yeah, very good. Huh. So at this point, the conspiracy goes forward. They gather support. But a loyal eunuch catches wind of this and tells Artaxerxes, Hey, your son is planning Things to murder you. Your, not your son. Yeah. Your son and other 50 of your sons are planning to murder you. Yeah. <laughs> This is going to go wonderfully. Yeah, so then from Plutarch, we get that Artaxerxes didn't really believe this straight away. And he actually just wanted to have first-hand proof of it and of who the conspirators were. If you have the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Old man, nothing much. Not to do. like you're in immediate, immediate nah, danger. That's okay. So he has a wonderful plan <laughs> that I love. He has a door built behind his bed in his bedroom and covered okay. with a tapestry. Right. Secret yes. door. Like it. And then... He pays close attention to whenever the door of his bedroom is going to be opened up. And one day he hears the, his door creak open and sees that his son Darius is there. And 50 of his other sons are there with knives. Oh, surprise. Yeah. So Artaxerxes saw what was going on and said, okay, that's all the proof I need. Thank you. Ah, caught you. And so he yeah. dives towards the door behind the tapestry, locks the door, and then screams loudly for the guards, who okay. then come and manage to behind arrest everyone. <laughs> I love it that he's just like, Ha, oh, you can't get me now, <laughs> guards! <laughs> Hiding, yes, I'm safe here. And yeah, after the conspiracy, he has all the plotters, their wives and children, executed. As you do. Yep. Because, yep. you know, things. Their whole families. Not that they had anything to do with it, but, you know, yeah. how it goes. At this point, with the firstborn dead, the second son is Ariaspes, who was well-loved by right. the people, and... Well, Ocus has decided that he wants the throne. He thinks he deserves it. Well, like, why did Darius try the coup at all? He would be heir to the throne, right? I mean, he was heir to the throne, but maybe his father wasn't dying. Maybe his father was... He just got impatient? Like, this is so ridiculous. Yeah, but maybe his father was making comments saying, oh, should I actually choose you? Maybe I should choose someone else. Oh, Ocus was so helpful in this last campaign. And so the idea is mm. to get rid of him before he can change his mind. Let's see. But no, it didn't Still work. Still kind of ridiculous. Yeah, definitely. He could have we waited and done a better good. job. But hey. Yeah. Yeah. 
And now he's dead, so you yeah, know. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> okay, so what will happen to this apparently nice heir who the people love? Well, Ocus. Yeah, Ocus is not going to let it happen because Ocus is like his grandfather. In a scene that is very much like his grandfather and might be a duplication Seriously? by some of the authors, mm. Ocus's yeah. sister Atossa Same name. comes to him and says, oh. Dear half brother, if you marry me, we can rule the empire together. I will help uh, you get yes, rid of Ariaspes. Uh, yeah, I see. So yeah. this might it be sounds a, like a, a duplication. Yeah. But, you know, who knows? But in any case, Ocus manages to spread some rumors around the palace, making Ariaspes believe that Artaxerxes is furious at him and is going to have him executed in a very humiliating way. Oh no. Why? It's unclear. Maybe he spread a rumor that Ariaspes was actually part of the plot and was going to be executed, yeah. so who knows. Yeah. And Ariaspes, not wanting to be executed in this shameful way, then kills himself rather than... No, I knew it, because he's a good boy. Oh, yeah, which... I knew that he was going to just be noble and... Just yeah, it, never everybody. be noble. Oh, God. I was rooting for him. I like that people liked him. Mm -hmm. Come on, Ariaspes. Mm -hmm. You're too good. Too easily fooled. Now that Ariaspes is yeah. gone... Sadly. Too pure for this world. Yeah. This is why we can't have nice things. Yes, exactly. Artaxerxes proclaims the son of a concubine to be the next heir. Not Orcus. That's hilarious. No. Oh my god. But the son of a concubine has an unfortunate of accident. Course. And Orcus is now the heir. Hooray! I love that not even his dad, like, he was like, yeah, no, not you. You freak. <laughs> yeah. And apparently when Artaxerxes received news yeah. of this... It is said that Artaxerxes died of grief sometime in 358. Oh, no. And finally ended Damn. his reign. Yeah, it, it is reminiscent of Augustus just trying to have an heir so bad. It just nothing goes according to plan. Yeah. And yeah, so he had a nice tomb made next to the two Darius's, Xerxes and Artaxerxes oh, okay. I. And he returned to the custom of writing on the tombs like Darius oh. the Great had. But Artaxerxes only really copied... The subject peoples claiming a bigger empire okay. than he actually had. As you do. Just, uh... Because insecurities, I guess. Yeah, you always want to look better for posterity. Mm. But we know, haha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that is the end of the long, long reign of Artaxerxes II, also known as Artaxerxes Mnemon. Mnemon? As in Mnemosyne? Yes, because ah. since he ruled for such a long time, he could remember Memory? a lot of things. Yeah. Right. Ooh, interesting. Artaxerxes, the memorialist. Yeah, pretty much. And yeah, so there we go. What did you think of Artaxerxes? It was a long episode. <laughs> um, yes, definitely. Very interesting, especially because at the beginning, I was more paying attention to what Cyrus the Younger was doing. And I was like, oh, is this going to be another episode yes. where like we don't really focus on the king, but we could focus on some like secondary character? But no, turns no, out that was like the first time. third of the episode. So, you know. Yeah. Which is a long, long, long Lost longer. Lots of things happened. Very sad about the passing and the mess with the heirs and all of that. Yeah. It, it's always kind of frustrating when you see the desires of a king not be met, like towards how they want the empire to continue. Yeah, after a while. Also, as you saw, the empire is not doing well. Yeah, everything is like, kind of falling apart. 
Like, Egypt is gone yeah. and has been gone for a long time. Yeah. The satrapies revolted twice, once under Cyrus, once under Aruandus. And Artaxerxes had a defeat so bad that he had to kill out every yeah, witness. Yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> it is not going to well. that, oof. <laughs> like, maybe we wouldn't oh, remember yeah. it as so bad if he hadn't killed everybody. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But knowing that but he we did, we don't have any details like, on how hmm. bad it was. Yeah. So, yeah. Now we're like, oh, it was terrible. <laughs> so. Okay. So, are you ready to rate this man at last after all this time? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Please uh, give me a bit of a summary of what it. has happened, because uh... we'll go through in the single categories. So to start with is first category: final moments. So. He died interesting, sort of interestingly. He died of heartache after his last well, the, son yeah, died. Yeah, if you were to believe this, sure. Very romantic. I am a fan of this. But also, like, I mean, he... And also, he's like a 90-year-old yeah. man. He can probably have a heart attack. That, honestly, that it's, is it's interesting. Like, I don't know if to give him extra points just because he gets to die of old age at a very old age. You know, like, yeah, impressive. It's, it's really impressive how much that is. Yeah, it's unexpected. So... But apart from so, that, I, I guess yeah. like I mean it's not the most interesting, but I think it deserves like uh, maybe a four. Yeah, I was thinking three. Yeah. So. Okay, then I'll go for a four. You go for a three. That seems okay, fair. That works. We're sounds good. So three and a four gives us a three point five out of ten for final moments. Next category is battle hardness. How good was he at fighting in wars? And things. Well, he did a lot of that. He did a lot Definitely of that. Definitely he had, yes. His life was um, very... It was full of it. He's trying to go for quantity over yeah, quality, honestly. Yeah, because honestly, like, you know, first the civil war against his brother, right? Yes. Which he technically he won, loses. But also, yeah. Like, he won, but by a technicality, because someone else killed his brother and like the actual yeah, battle exactly. he lost and eh, I don't know if to count it very positively. Mm. Um, yeah. Also, he managed to sort of contain Sparta in Anatolia. Yeah. Kind of. You know, that wasn't mostly through fighting. It was mostly through diplomacy, though. Yeah. Then he sent like four expeditions against Egypt and all of them failed. True. Yeah. Oh, the thing with Egypt has been a disaster. <laughs> yeah. He tried an expedition so embarrassing that he had to kill all witnesses. Yeah. So lots of battles, but also most of them questionable outcome. Yeah. And also what I think is the worst at the end is that he almost lost his empire in his last years by fighting Egypt and the satraps revolt. Yeah. And he only won again another time just because a guy died. Yeah. Just because the Egyptian pharaoh was substituted. There was a change of regime and that saved him and the empire. Yeah. But if that hadn't happened, he was so it wasn't by his own, you know, risk. merit, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And also, he doesn't fully defeat the satraps revolt. He makes a deal with Aruandas that everything is going to be fine. But yeah, yeah, it's not a good record. I am not impressed. Yeah, no, me neither. I feel like he deserves something. Yeah, for for that many battles at much. least. Yeah. Um. Just for survival, yeah. honestly. <laughs> Like that he made it that far. And yeah, I think I'm going roughly to aiming for like one point to keep Sparta at bay. Yes. And one fair. for surviving generally. But I don't think he deserves more than that. I think I'll give him at least four points. 
just because the impressive really? amount of battles. Not who he was good at okay, them, but sure. there was a lot of battle talking in this episode and my brain is full of <laughs> confusion of general names and who killed who and what happened when and who did what campaigns. And just for, honestly, these extra two points are for myself, for enduring this episode. <laughs> I deserve them. Perfect. Good I am stuff. not good with dates and I am not good with names of generals. So good job, me. <laughs> good job. <laughs> So I think, yeah, I'm going for a two of battle hardness because I don't think that much, but we can do a two and a four. Yes. And yeah, so two and a four for battle hardness gives us a six points out of 20 yes. for battle hardness. So there we go. Next category is scheminess. How good was he at plots and murders and all that? Him? Eh, fine. Yeah. <laughs> His mom? Really good. Yeah, I mean... Like, there was a lot of that this episode, but it wasn't directly Artaxerxes. He did a couple. He did a couple. You know, I remember us saying, ah, yes, learned from mom. He mostly murdered people learning from mom, honestly. Because at the beginning, he was almost murdered by Cyrus, but someone else warned him. Yeah, conveniently. I guess I would give him a point of scheminess for, you know, surviving the murder attempt by his son Darius. Because I guess that sort of counts. He made a plan. I'd give him some points. Yeah, I like the secret door. You know, secret doors are fun. fun. I approve of that. Sure. And then we have... Well, during the rest, it's not really very schemey. He's just... Meh. I I think one token point for For that hidden door... Oh, for Parasatis. Yes. Honestly, I, I wouldn't give him a point for Parasatis because we already give it to Darius. But, and Artaxerxes didn't have a choice in his mother. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Okay, fine. So yeah, I'm sticking with a one. How about you? Yeah, yeah. Also one. I Sure. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So one and one is two out of 20 for scheminess. Next category is shock factor. How chaotic and shocking was this man? There was so much that, like, there's something there, right? (laughs) There was just so much information. There were a few things. I think it was the... What do we have? We have the whole mutilation of his brother and killing his brother. Not sure if it's so shocking, but chopping the head off wasn't necessary. I think something, but not too much. Next, he he exiled his mother after murdering his wife, but... Brought her back a couple of years later. So not even that bad, really. That's surprising. <laughs> and no, I, I, he did kill all the generals to avoid yeah. the embarrassing the one, fact Yeah, the one it. embarrassing battle. What was that about? <laughs> so I think that's a good two points for me. So yeah, shock factor, I'm saying a three, roughly. Yeah, I don't so know a couple I'm... for the executing all the nobles and one for the Cyrus I don't know if I'm forgetting stuff. anything important. Because we've been recording for a while. But yeah, I mean, not too much, honestly. I think it's just, like, the rest of it was relatively straightforward. Like, he wasn't tricking anybody. He wasn't sending any spies, assassins, all that. He wasn't There was that terrible form much. of murdering somebody. But again, that was Parasatis. That was Parasatis again. So. It's, you know, Parasatis murdered people horribly, but eh. I guess, you know what? I'm actually going to give him an extra point because he allowed Parasatis to Yay. do these things. Okay. He didn't stop her. He's the king. He could have. Yeah. Well, he could have, so, but yeah. then she might have also have been killed somehow. So. <laughs> Parasatis is scary. Possible, certainly. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't oppose her, certainly, but, you know, yeah. he did stand by these murders. 
So yeah, shock factor. I'm aiming for a four. What are you That's, thinking? Yeah, yeah. Four. Okay. I wouldn't go any higher. Nice. That's actually pretty high already. I, I didn't have to go for a three. You can go for a three if you like. I'll go for a three. You go for a four. I'll okay. go for a three. Perfect. So four and three gives us a seven out of twenty for shock factor. Mm. Next category is Aaron Shine. How good was he for the Empire? Did he improve it? Is it better Ooh. off than when he took it? Well, um... <laughs> well, let's check what the Empire was before he took the throne. Things are not going well. Before he took the throne, Egypt was just freshly revolted. It was a new revolt. The satrapies were relatively loyal. Everything was in order. Just before he dies, the Empire was under an existential threat. Yep. Egypt has been gone so long that it has established its own dynasty. It has a nice, stable system. There have been two separate massive revolts in Anatolia among the various satraps. He's had to come to terms with a series of revolts that he lost against. And now he has tons of Greek mercenaries going around back and forth, financing different satraps. And also, the satraps of Anatolia have been virtually independent for several years. Yeah, so basically we're doing badly. Everything is on fire. Help. Oh, help. Yeah. I don't know if this is the lowest point of the empire. I mean, it's definitely the lowest point of the empire so far. Yes. I don't know if this is the lowest point of the empire full stop. Well, I... Even looking towards the future. I would assume not, but... Um, I mean, that'd be cool if this is ah. it, because then that means it's only up from here. <laughs> I, I think it's close, honestly. Ooh. Oh, no. But, yeah, I mean, the only positive thing is that he did a bit of construction work. But even that, he didn't build any new it palaces. It was a lot of war. Renovated Listen, things. War is bad for an empire. Yeah, and war that you're not winning yeah. is especially bad. Yeah, because even when you win, your resources are depleted, you know, your forces, everything. Yeah, but, but at, at least, least you're you have, getting like, something you know, new it. taxes from new territories or whatever. But if you also lose, it's just, oof, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm trying to find a reason not to give him a zero. Yeah, um, no, it would be a zero. I, it would be a zero. It's a zero for me. Because we do not, just an, we do, not do negatives, job. so... Yeah, I don't know if to give him a one because the Empire is still around, <laughs> but I don't think it's his merit. Like, all the times he was at risk of losing the throne, he got saved by chance. Yeah. He didn't save himself. I No, no I think it's a zero. A zero. There's yes. no way. This is a terrible, terrible way. So that's a zero out of 20 for Erenshine. Yeah. The worst score for any ruler that has ruled more than one year. And okay, so the next category is face of faces. What does the man look like? What is he? Okay, so now Serial has sent me their drawing. It's been a bit, I'm sorry, it took a little bit. I decided to go for it. The listeners don't know about it, it's okay. All right, so let me look at Serial's portrait. Ooh, I like it. Oh, thank you. It's a very cool portrait. It is one of the climactic scenes of Artaxerxes' life, where we see him riding on a horse, which looks very cool. I like it. It's dark, grinning terrifyingly in part. <laughs> and yeah, you have Artaxerxes in full armor, a nice short, short-ish, well-kept beard. Yeah. Short-ish for Achaemenid king standards. <laughs> who has been stabbed through the chest with Cyrus's spear, and is just in the act of falling off his horse as 
the king in a battle that might decide his reign, but didn't. It was a very cool scene. Like, it's from the whole episode is one of the things that actually stuck with me. So I decided to go for this one. It was a long episode. I'm sorry. Yeah. There, so many things happened. <laughs> there were a lot of things I could not remember happened. all of them. <laughs> That's fine. That was a good scene, and it's important to get the memorable one. Okay, so thank you very much, Serial. Everybody, please look this up on the website. It's very cool. And now let's see what he actually looked like. So, Serial, you can describe. And also, we have a very nice reconstruction I mean, Ooh. by uh, Mora Solipur, who we've mentioned a couple times. Links again available about uh, Artaxerxes II himself. Cool. So, we can see Excellent. the historical one and the other reconstruction. So this is the historical one on his tomb right. with all the other friends. Yeah, it's honestly, it, they all kind of look the same because it's just the style, like the stylization is just the same for all of these statues. So like, is it this person, this other person? The face is not going to like actually resemble what they look like. So it's a bit sad, but yeah, it's a really nice relief, really pretty well preserved with a cool cylindrical hat and the curly hair that I love the texture that it has and the beard. Always good. And a long beard that kind of reminds me of a pharaoh's Oh yeah, I can see uh, that. It's a little bit long beard. and yeah. Uh, pointy, yeah. Cool robes and such and holding a bow. I like the waviness of the sleeve yeah. fabric. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. That's very satisfying. Yeah, Okay, so cool. this is the one we're going to be rating on and just to show you, this is the one that Mora Solipur oh, made. Oh, nice. I love that. it looks oh, very cool. It's so good. <laughs> I love this so much. See here, he looks like a person, you know, like an actual. Yeah, exactly. That's, wow, that's really impressive. Also, I love all the patterns on the. Yeah, on the, the patterns on the clothes so and good. the crown. Just oh, it's so good. I like this guy. Yeah. Yeah, it's very nice. So there we go. Now we have to rate our man based on what he looks like. What is your opinion? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean. <laughs> Sure, uh, it, it's what I expected, kind of. And I really love the contemporary portrait. That's really, really good. That That's, I'm definitely giving extra points just because <laughs> I can see his face. But yeah, I'm, uh, I think overall for him, just in, in the historical one, feels middle of the road. I think it's yeah. reasonably well-preserved. It's which good is that it's contemporary, nice is so. well-preserved. Uh, yeah, I'd go for like six points for that. Six. Oh, well, five, because it's, I'm... like you said, middle of the road. Like, yeah, it's a, mm -hmm. you know, representation of this king. Not actually, like, of the person, but, you know, just... Right. Yeah, so that's, you know, a five for being very well preserved and what was expected. And then an extra point for being contemporary. And another extra point for the cool portrait that Mo okay, made. Okay, nice. Because <laughs> I really like it. So seven very total cool. for me. Yeah, I'm going for five because I'm mostly restraining myself to the contemporary one, which I is see. all right. But okay, so five and seven. Ooh, I think this is very important points for him. Yeah. Very important points. Well, he's going to have As... a bunch of points in the lengthiness, so yeah. don't you worry. Yeah, so for face of faces, we get three points out of five. Yeah, no bad. As you said, final category is lengthiness. How long do you think this man ruled? How many years did it feel like? Not the episode, the rule. <laughs> the episode went on for 50 years. Um, 
Well, he was born in 453 to 445. And you mentioned that when he had to go into battle, he was in like his 80s or 85 or so. Right. So I'm going to say, assuming he only started ruling, you know, on his 20s or so, uh, mm -hmm. going to go upwards and say 70 years. Okay. Uh, 70 years is kind of overestimating. Because there will be somebody who reigns 70 years and will be the uh, roughly the world record of reigning monarch. Wow. Because, cool. But no, Artaxerxes came to the throne as an adult man and he only ruled 46 years from 404 to 358. Only so we're 50? in a new century now. 56? Only 46. Oh, wait. Four, how? Wow. So he only came to into the, like to the throne later in life. Yeah, apparently. Ah, okay, okay. I mean, he was born just before Darius got to the throne. Right. Yes. So. So we had all of Darius's reign. That is. Yeah, all of yeah, Darius's correct. reign that yeah. he lived through and grew up in. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so that leads us to his final score, which is twenty six point one out of a hundred, and your. Face of Faces score got him just above his father by 0 0.2 points. Ooh, interesting. Although Artaxerxes II is half a point below Artaxerxes I. So th uh. this grandfather, son, and, and grandson combination is very tightly packed. Interesting. Yeah, so I we mean, go. weird points in the categories, but that's how it goes. So yeah, happens. But that leads us to our final question. Which is to ask, was his life interesting enough? Did enough fascinating things happen? Was it a curious enough story to mm. make him a Shahan Shah? Or is he just a Shahan Nah? Hmm. I am conflicted. I mean, uh, to be honest, I cared mostly because of Parisatis for the first yeah. half when she was there. There was a lot of war, like a lot of interesting historical things, but perhaps not directly tied to him but just to you know what was going on at the time yeah that's my feeling as well you know with the greeks and the athens and sparta and egypt and all of these you know thebes yeah, getting yeah. in there and theseus and xenophon being you know yeah, yeah that really helps and makes it a really good story but i don't know if i did like his later years the most when he was old really and did you well, okay. when he's trying to find an heir and you can see how, like, things are going to develop with his children and how that's going to... Sure. That was interesting as well. I don't know. Yeah, I, again, like you said, I think that the problem with Artaxerxes is that interesting stuff happens <laughs> throughout his reign, but not a lot of it is driven by him. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the whole Cyrus Civil War is really cool. The whole Parasatis messing thing is yeah. cool. The whole dealing with everything... And, you know, the end, the climactic scene when everything could collapse, but it right. just, he lucks out. That's cool, but it's not him doing it. So yeah. I'm very conflicted Things on whether to, to give it to him, him or not. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I guess it depends if we're rating the story of his reign or I mean, ki we kind of are, right? I don't know. I don't know if I would include him into, like, the kings that I would talk about to a friend. Like, I definitely mentioned Cyrus, I definitely yeah. mentioned Darius the first, but, you know, yeah, I would I mention Parasatis. Like <laughs> Parasatis has her own yeah. VIP seat. Like, we say, exactly. But, yeah, I don't know Artaxerxes. I'm I'm very conflicted. I would... I'd mention Xerxes as well. I would I don't be willing... want to leave him out. <laughs> um, yes, plumas don't hurt us. Yes, yeah, please. 
Toll. Um. <laughs> but yeah, Artaxerxes, I'd be willing to go either way. I'm, I'm going, I would your... say no. You're more on the no? Yeah. Oh. Are you more I on the jazz? I feel bad about it. But... Are, you, are you disappointed that I say no? It's just a good, a little bit, but it's just a good story. I just feel... Hmm. We can, can we make a little note next to it? Just like, hmm, maybe revise this. When we have the final list of all of the all of the Shahanshahs. Yeah. I guess we can put him in the rounding out other numbers category. Cambyses. <laughs> uh, okay, then. Saddened as I am, I must say. Sorry, Artaxerxes. You're a Shahanna. Yeah. Please go meet Darius and tell him that everything is on fire now. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Correct. And you can meet Parasatis. Oh, you don't meet Parasatis. No. She's in the VIP seats. You might meet her if you manage to graduate exactly. in the future. We're on the fence about it. We'll, we'll come back yeah. to this. We shall see. So there we go. Shahana. And that is all for this very, very long episode today. Yeah. Thank you for getting all the way to the end with us. Yay. That was fun. Lots of battles. It was a lot of stuff, but this is like a very chunky episode just because of the timeline and also because yeah. we have a lot of information on the Cyrus bits, especially. Yeah, with extra sources and with so many years of rain, of course, there's a million things yeah, to talk about. So, set, yeah. Thanks for listening. So, yeah, next episode is going to be Artaxerxes number three. Oh, directly. So we'll find out how that goes. Interesting. All right, remember to check the notes for the links to website and related things and blah, blah, blah. And uh, we'll see you next week. Take care. Yeah, see you next week. Have a good time. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>